Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. We mean weekly. The full Shua for Raya Bazilpa. Eliel Nishmas Aram Barach Havdul. Aram Barach Ben Yudah Levi. And Ariella Bas Sarah. Ariella, her name is? I hope so, but I'll tell you what I'm going to say. Achai. Oh, action packed. Action packed Pasha. Pasha's Vayeda. Not to be confused with the other Pasha and Shmai's Vayeda. Um, you can tell everybody you want, all you want, not to be confused, but they always get confused. Everybody always confuses them. Vayera Lavrom. This Shabbos is Yudches Chesron. As you know, Shabbos meaning is Baruch Beikul Yemen. The week is blessed from Shabbos, so we bless both the week before and the week after. The forthcoming week, Abalino Teva is Chof Marchezrin. That goes needless to say if you go. Sorry, am I losing you here? Hold on, there's no voice. Is that better? Still not? What's wrong with the sound? Hmm. Sound is not good. Hold on, we got to figure out what's wrong with sound on Skype. Still not better? Oh boy. Chof Marcheshvin, the birth date of the Rebbe Rashab. Also Shmonachmans. Pash. Yeah. Pash Still have no sound there? We're picking up a little bit on the sound. Let me figure out what's going on here, the sound. I'm on the highest. Still having a problem hearing? I'll turn, I'll recall you. Shall I redial? Let me redial. Plug the thing. Okay. Any better? Not. Okay. Don't know why. Figure out what's going on here with this thing. Still not. Oh, I hear you. That's not good. I gotta plug this back in. Maybe if I use this. Here you go. Okay, let me try to. Oh, this near. Oh boy, now better. Oh, okay. So the mic is the one that's uh, interfering. Pash Um Avram Avinu has now had his bris meal at the end of Pash Lechlecha. and as he's. On the third day of the, after the bris milah is in obviously in tremendous pain. Ninety-nine years old, having a bris milah on his own, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu comes to be mevakechela, comes to visit him, to visit the sick. He's sitting and talking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and in the distance he sees three people. Three passerbys. Tells us the Tera, he says to Baruch excuse me, I have guests. I need to go see to the guests. In essence, the travelers were angels disguised. From here we see Avram, Avinu, leaving HaKadosh Baruch 
to go greet guests. Godel. Godlach Nasaserichim Mikabalos Pneshkina. It's greater to receive guests and to receive the Pneshkina, the Almighty God Himself. This is wonderful. An amazing, amazing halacha. And the Raman brings it down. And Avram Vino established this. And the path of Chesed. And he followed this. He would feed wayfarers, give them drink, accompany them. Eshel, Achila, Shtia, and Levia. And therefore he says that his Kabbalah, his Hachnasa Serchim is greater than talking to God. First of all, we have a problem. They were angels. They didn't need food, they didn't need drink. So Abraham Avinu Entertaining these guests didn't really do the mitzvah of Achnasus Erechim. So, therefore, in hindsight, we say, we see that Avram Avinu met with the guests over Kabbalah's Pineshkina, but they weren't really guests. Let us determine. Let us determine the phrase "hachnasaserchim," welcoming of guests. There's another small question before we do that, which also is a little bit awkward. The Rambam tells us, "Gedela." And how do we know this? Because Avram Avinu tells us to, showed it to us. How did he know? How did he know that greeting guests is more important than talking to God? We take the precedence from him. Fine. Who did he find it with? We, he wasn't learning Rambam. Let's first discuss what Aknas really is. True Aknas is defined primarily by the heartfelt concern that the host shows his guests. The well-being, how are you, the smile, the savor upon him, the embracing of a guest. I can't do this. Showing them the, the sincerity hosting a guest sometimes is very very trying and many many stories of people that hosted guests where Leo and Avi came in the guise of a guest and they put up with a lot of Leo and Avi shenanigans mm. and it was all a test and by passing the test they were merited, they merited many, many different blessings. Children, special children, holy children. 
So Achinos HaSerachim is actually defined on how you treat your guest. There are times where you want to just slap down a piece of chicken in front of your guest and say, here, eat. But no. You can give the chick, the guest a cracker and water but do it with a smile and do it pleasantly and make the person feel comfortable and make the person feel that you're doing this from your heart and you're doing it with complete and total bitl self-nullification this is called truach nasserchen So it's not relevant what you serve and what the bed looks like or anything else. So giving a smile enhances any form of kindness or charity. So the ideal way of giving charity actuality is when the donor and recipient never meet. That's why it's a wonderful thing called now Cash App and uh, PayPal and everything else. You don't have to meet the donor. Why? Because you don't see how the person is giving it to you. You might feel the person a little begrudging, or the person might look at the person that's reci- the recipient and say, ah, he's a fraud, he doesn't really need the tzedakah, etc. Achnas Sarkim doesn't work that way. First and foremost, to show your guests your personal, sincere concern with their comfort and well-being. So regardless if they were angels, who didn't need to eat the food that Avram prepared, Avram fulfilled the mitzvah Achnas Sarkim to the fullest. He exhibited pure care and pure unconditional feelings and unconditional love and he showed them, look, I'm doing for the... He didn't tell them, look, I'm doing for you. They felt so, so welcome as if they were being treated by a father. And knowing better than anyone, these angels knew how Avram cherished, was cherished by God. So they could appreciate the sincere interest that this great man gave them. What he put into this meeting with God on hold so he could provide them with food and then escort them on their way. But this Gemara, if you keep me score at home on Shabbos 127, side A, Kuv Chav Zayin, Omer Aleph. That tells us We still don't know how Avram knew it. He didn't have the Shas yet. Not Schattenstein for sure. Shkina. The Almighty God. He just walked away from him. How inappropriate could that possibly be? Um, Ironically, he based this on the weather. Not whether or not God would complain. (laughs) He based it on the weather. Let's take out the almanac and go back to this year that Avram Avinu had his bris at 99. Let's check the third day after Avram's bris. And let's see what was the weather like. And we will see that it was 
dangerously hot. Dangerously hot. What was so hot? Why was it so hot? It wasn't normally hot. It wasn't a normal heat. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took out the sun from its cover. The sun is embraced by a cover. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took off the cover, removed the cover, and it was extremely hot. This intense heat, and this intense sun, the world could actually not exist with. This is reserved for Tzadikim Lassad Lavi, when Mashiach comes. But on this day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took the sun out. Why? Because it was too hot for the passerbys to walk in the street, to walk on the road. Since it was too hot, there was no one on the road, Avram Avinu was not troubled. Nobody bothered him. Nobody bothered him. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted, the third day after his bris, that he should be able to rest. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually was shining, as we say, Avram Avinu. Noticing what God did, because this is not the norm, this is not an everyday weather, noticing that God took it out, so that there should be no visitors, nobody to trouble him, he wondered if meeting God could be interrupted to welcome people into his home. If not, then why would God, with divine intervention, see to it that there's no passerbys? So from the fact that God made this heat, even while appearing to Avram, in order to prevent guests from disturbing him, Avram deduced that if guests did walk by, that means I have to go deal with them. So therefore Avram concluded that welcoming guests is greater than Kabbalah's Pnei And therefore he ran off to the guests. I told the story before, but it's just a very, very touching story. Um, a delivery boy once came to deliver. It's a hot summer day. And he came to deliver to the Rebbe's house. I think it was, I can't tell you what. Produce or groceries or meat, whatever. And usually... He came in through the back door, and usually the Rebbitson was home, and the Rebbitson opened the door, and she would obviously, you know, take the stuff and give him a tip. On this very, very lucky hot day, the fellow rings the bell, and the man of the house opens the door, the Rebbe himself. And needless to say, season, the poor fellow was ready to fall over. He was in shock. <laughs> um, first of all, he's not exactly wearing a gartel. I mean, he's working, delivering stuff, delivering food. He's not dressed for the uh, occasion to meet face to face with the Rebbe. And it was just, just, he was so caught off guard. And much to his chagrin, instead of the Rebbe just releasing him and saying, okay, you can go or just giving him a tip and telling him he just can go. The Rebbe invited him in. The Rebbe wanted to, I guess, to get the tip, whatever it was, the Rebbe said, come inside. He came inside, the Rebbe asked him, would you like to drink something? <laughs> he started to tremble. 
and uh, he saw the Rebbe was very persistent so he said okay the rest of them would you like something hot or something cold <laughs> he was totally blown out of the water and for some reason he said something hot which of course means putting up water to boil etc the Rebbe asked him what, what kind of cup do you like? Do you have preference with a cup? A stem without a stem, with a handle, without a handle? <laughs> he knew he couldn't just say anything because the Rebbe asked him a question directly. He had to answer it. So, uh, with a handle. And the Rebbe took a step stool and climbed up on the step stool and went to the cabinet and took out from the top shelf a cup with a saucer with a handle the guy, the fourth fellow was ready to faint caused the Rebbe such tirchas, his trouble so he semi-apologized to the Rebbe for, for causing, you know to get that cup, I mean he could have any cup was good the Rebbe answered him how often do I have an opportunity to do the mitzvah of Achnas HaSarechim? I mean, honestly, whoever came to the Rebbe's house for, to, for a drink, the Rebbe says to me, I finally have the opportunity, let me do it fully. This is uh, sure the, the glass of tea or coffee that he had was one that I'll never forget. Someone's phone's ringing. Three malachim. They show up to the tent of Avraham Avinu. And the question is asked. Avraham himself was here. Aye Soro Ishtecho. This is chapter eighteen, verse nine. Aye Soro Ishtecho. Where is Soro your wife? No. So Rashi tells us. What was their question? Uh, Sarah was not there. Sarah was in her own tent, or in the tent. He was outside the tent. Lo madnu, we learn from here, she yishal odom bachsan yishalei, the yishal isha. Teaches us from here that when a guest comes to a house, you ask the man, where is the lady of the house? Another thing, says Rashi, lo to let us know, she was very, very modest. Very, very modest. To endear her husband. They wanted to give her They made a bracha on the cup they wanted to give from her give to her to partake from this. So we see, according to the way Rashi writes this, there are three explanations here. One, that a person asks about the wife. Two, to show how how Sarah was honoring her husband. And thirdly, to get the Kesha Bracha. Let's get real here. We have learned plenty Rashi's. And Rashi has his style. And he does not deviate from his style. He is very, very consistent in his style. Rashi here, when he has a second explanation, he'll say the first, 
And then he'll use the words Dabar Acher, another explanation. Or if there's another opinion, he'll say Vyesh Aimrim, there are those that say, etc. Here Rashi says all three explanations, one after the other in succession. <coughs> What's going on here? Perhaps. Perhaps we can explain this. Previously in our parsha, Rashi explains that it says in the pasuk Vayyomer, "Vine bein l'sare ishtecha." Same chapter, eighteen verse Bays, pasuk Bays. Second Pasuk. The Madnu teaches us when he says, Vayoymer, he said singular, says Rashi, this teaches us, Sherak Malach Echod Omar Only one Malach spoke. Why? You look there and Rashi, Rashi continues, Ki. Ein malach echod One angel does not do two missions. An angel is sent down to do a mission, one mission per time. And these three angels came here, each with their own specific mission. One to tell Sarah that she's going to have a child. One to turn over Sadaim. And want to heal Avraham. <coughs> so then we get a question in our Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vayoimeru elov Plural. They said to Avraham, they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? Hey, what's the plural? By saying plural, it means all three Malachim said this. But only one Malach had to ask. Therefore, Rashi explains all three Pirushim. Because on this question, we have three different implications. And each one was the get one of the malachim, each one, each malach separate. So the three angels asked, where is Sarah? Because one of them meant to say, he wants to give a Kesha Bracha. And he asked in the name of everybody. One wanted to say, to show how she's endearing to her husband. And the third one, also representing everyone, so showed that you have to ask the husband where the wife is. So in essence, because it was Vayyemeru, they all asked the question, therefore they all were answered with one answer. So the three answers that Rashi gives us are not three different explanations, Rather, they're going to each one of the angels. Maybe there's 50. Maybe there's 45. Maybe there's 30. Avraham Avinu led the... He was a... a, a jet setter for us. And part of the jet setting that Avraham Avinu does for the Jewish nation, he teaches us how to bargain. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to destroy, destroy Sadaim, Avraham Avinu says, maybe Ulai, maybe there's a 50 angels, 50 righteous people here. If there's 50 righteous people... So he says, you know what? 
If there's 50 righteous people, I won't. I won't kill them. What if there's 45? And he bargains and bargains and bargains. And each time he bargains until 5. And at that point, Avram Venus saw it's a lost battle. And Sedaim was going to be destroyed. There were several different cities here involved. There was Sedaim Vameda, and then there were other ones that were around Sedaim and Ameda. But we see that it says, when it comes to the cities of Sedaim and Ameda. He eradicated them, he burnt them out. And then it says, And the other cities he turned over. Follow through on our Parsha, chapter 19, verses 24 and 25. Psukim Again, total desolation. He desolated it with fire and he burnt it out, and the other ones he just turned over. So that teaches, showing us here that only Sdaim and Amira were burnt to the crisp. And the other ones, the Kikar, and all the cities around, as Rashi explains, Haram Makel, is not only Sedaim and Ameda, but the other four cities. So why was Sedaim and Ameda punished so much, so much more severely than the other towns around? Let us go back to chapter 14, Verse 2, Rashi explains the names of the kings. Bera Melech Sdeim, Bersha Melech Hameda, Shinov Melech Admo, Shem Eber Melech Tzvoyim. Rashi says, Why was he called Bera? Ra la Shemaim vera la He was bad for the heaven and bad to the people. He was just an all-around lousy guy. Bersha, Shenis Alabarishoi. He he excelled in his wickedness. Shinov was Saina Aviv Shebashemayim. He hated his father in heaven. Shem Aver, Shem Aver the Aiv Likfeitz Limreid Bakalish Baruch again. A revolutionary against God. So therefore we find in the pattern here, Shinov and Shem Ever were against God himself. Their battle was with God. But Bera, It says that he was between Adam Lamokim and Adam Lachaveri, both people between person and God. He was Rala Shamayim Rala Briyes. And if that was the case by Bera, then by Bersha, of course, who was a Russia, even worse than him, Rashi says his, his riches was even worse than Bera. So he also had the two types of wickedness to between person and God. So now therefore we see the difference of punishments. The punishment to the cities that the kings were wicked through and through and were not only bad to God but were bad to person also. So an Adma and Tzvayim but the kings were Shinav and Shemever and their sins are only between the person and God. And therefore, by fighting both God and fellow man, they were totally burnt to the ground. 
and the others were only turned over inside out. Katskerebe was known to be very sharp. Someone once asked him, an antagonist asked him, Katskerebe, I'll give you a ruble if you could show me where God is. Katskerebe smiled and said, You know what? I'll give you ten ruble if you show me where God isn't. God comes to Avram Avinu and he sends him on a mission. He tests Avram with ten different tests. And the tenth of the tests, he tells him, Kachno, take please, as Bincha your son, as Yechidcha the only one. Asher Ahavta, that you love, Yitzchak. So the little boy, the Ben Chamesh, this is chapter 22, verse 2. Chav Beis, Pasuk So my little Ben Chamesh, the Mikra, our little Ben Chamesh, the Mikra, says, Wow! Why? Why this whole dialogue? I mean, let's understand, this is God talking. Why would God use so many different phrases? Take Yitzchak. Or take your son. Elamai. It's a full dialogue that went on between the Almighty and Avram. Kachna is bincho, says Rashi. What happened when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Avram, take your son, Omar Loi, Avram says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shnei Bonam Yeshli, I have two sons, I have a Yitzchok, I have a Yishmol. Oh, really? So you know what? You have two sons. You're one and only one. Amalei. Avram answered again. Each one is an only child to his mother. Amalei. Again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers him. Asherah the one you love. Answers again, I love them both. They're my sons. Chashbaruch tells him, Yitzchak. Earth calling. The obvious of obvious questions. Seriously, Avram. Yad Bekel, he had his hand in everything. He was all over the place. This is Shmuel was a major rascal. As we may know now from his descendants. What are you thinking, Avram? HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells you, take your son... Did you really think he meant Yeshmol? Or was it wishful thinking? Maybe it was wishful thinking. He was telling him, oh, can I take Yeshmol? Can I put him up there? That'll put an end to a lot of problems for my children. So much so that Avram implies that he might mean Yeshmol, that he goes through this whole dialogue. So, 
a newsflash. During the time of the Akedah, Yitzchak was 37. Yishmael, as we might know, was 13 years his elder. If you really need to know how we know that, because Yitzchak had his bris at 8 days old, and on that day Yishmael got his bris, and he was 13. So he was 13 years older. So Yitzchak was 37, Yishmael 13 years older, 50 years old. The news flashes at that point in time, Yishmael did tshuva. Yishmael did tshuva. So much so, Taylor tells us, that Avram took with him two Na'orov, two youth. And one of them was Yishmael. Rashi explains that later in, in uh, chapter 22, verse 3. Although Avram had driven him out of the house before, but now he had done shuv and he was back. And we know that shuva. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara Yuma Pevav Amid Beis eighty six side two. That the Aved of Tshuva is even greater than the Aved of Tzadikim, because when one does Tshuva, when one repents, the Daina is Nasulik Yisachies. His faults become like merits, and therefore. Although someone feels that they had sinned very severely, if they do tshuva for them, for these sins, not only are these sins wiped out, these sins are elevated beyond comprehension. Because when it does, one does a mitzvah, one knows the schus basically for most mitzvahs. One knows the reward for basically most mitzvahs. But when one's Avera gets turned into a schus, we can't comprehend even how great the reward is. How high this has become. This has been elevated to. So sometimes the person does sins that the person can't imagine, can't fathom that they're ever going to crawl out of. Sins that they feel are more severe than anything in the world. And therefore, they're never going to be any good, they're never going to be worth anything. They're lost cases. Nobody can ever tell them anything good. Not only that, because they did such sins, their self-worth has nothing to do with anybody else's opinion of them. Their self-worth is below anything that you can think of. And although someone could come along and tell them, I take upon myself your sin. I will elevate, I will purify your sin for you. Work, be with me. Just join with me. Connect with me. I will elevate everything. And a person says, you don't know what you're getting into. But the person says, I'm disregarding myself. I'm taking everything upon me already. Disregard of anything of myself. And I will see to elevate everything so that you will be so full of merit that you could not be able to imagine a measure and therefore the Ian of Tshuva is greater than the Tzaddik. And Dafka through Tshuva can a person make their, their Zdainis, Kizachis, turn their sins into merits. 
So therefore, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu came and says, "Kachnas bincha, es yichidcha, shera hafta," he thought it might be Yishmol, because Yishmol was a Balchuva, and therefore elevated everything that he did. told the story before there was a there is a fellow in Kvach Abad sure they were sure they were they were embracious remind me again when we get the Shmeis <laughs> They should have been put up with plenty. Come on, with the eagle, with the with the Meimidiva, with all these things that he was tested in over and over and over, and ultimately wasn't allowed into that soul because of it. Come on. Anyway, my helper was once in um, California, and he was by a Chabad house, and. It was a Friday night dinner. And there were many people there that were not necessarily Shemesh Shabbos. There was one particular young fellow just staring at his plate, not interacting with anybody, not talking, not anything. Very strange, very odd. And, um,. After a while, people stood up, they said, they sang a song or two. All of a sudden, this fellow jumps up, runs to the picture of the Rebbe on the wall, pulls it off the wall, smashes it, screaming at it, leave me alone, leave me alone. Took out a dollar from his pocket and said, here's your dollar back, leave me alone. calmed him down gave him some water and they said what was that so he answered this is my story I come from a family in San Francisco and One day, I went to college, and I met with the hippies, and I joined the hippie movement, and everything that came along with it. Those of you who are old enough to know what the hippies got themselves up to. The long hair and the smoking of the weed or the marijuana, whatever it was. The pot. Smoked pot. I don't even know what pot was. Is that marijuana? Is something? Yeah, it is. Okay. Then it was called pot. They took drugs called LSD. Oh, he remembers that too. How do I know that, by the way? You know how I know? Okay. Because Lag Bahima that year, by the parade, we made big posters for the children for all different things. So, <laughs> there was one, one poster that said, Pot LSD. And it stood for, Put on Tefillin, Let's Start Davening. (laughs) 
So I remember part that was the. Anyway, he says I got into all these different things, and it was a mess. And then one day I decided it's not the way. And the solution I found was out in the Far East, in India. I was told there they go into meditation and they have different devotions. This sounds good. I picked myself up and I, I moved. I moved to India. And there I found a face, uh, a guru, a mentor, whatever you want to call him. And there I found peace. I found true love. I found tranquility. And I would meditate most of the day. I didn't need anything. Good news, all the drugs were behind me. It was not necessary. Bad news, I became a total recluse. Nobody knew where I was. For two years, my parents didn't hear from me. One day, I get this burning sensation within me. I want to talk to my parents. I want to talk to my parents. I couldn't leave up. I couldn't. It was relentless. I don't know where it came from, what it was. I, oh. I picked myself up and I left the mountains and I went to a village. Excuse me, I actually found a phone and I called my father. I cried and cried and cried. I finally told him, Dad, please, I'm here in India. Send me a ticket. I want to come home. I want to come home. Well, my father didn't hesitate for a second. He sent me the ticket. I came home. They were ecstatic to see me. I must have looked like a skeleton, like a ghost. But they were so happy to see me. And they welcomed me, they embraced me, and everything was very wonderful. The father says, Tell me. I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, as we say, but what happened? Why the change? Says the fellow. I don't know. On Sunday, all of a sudden, I felt this burn inside me. I want to come home. The father grabbed the table and says, Sunday? What? time Sunday and he said in India it was the evening whatever fathers I'll tell you what happened that Sunday a group of my friends decided they wanted to go to New York to go to the Lubavitch Rebbe he gives out dollars they wanted to get dollars so I flew in also each one asked for different blessings, for this, for that. I just walked past, took a dollar, and kept going. The Rebbe called me back. The Gabbai pulled me and says, Hey, hey, the Rebbe's calling you. And the Rebbe gives me another dollar. And said, This is for your son, your oldest son. I was shocked. I haven't spoken to him in two years. Where am I going to find him even? 
I took it. Said the boy, from when you got that dollar in your hand, I could not rest. I have no peace. And here I came back home, I don't know why. I don't know to what. I'm sitting here in the Chabad house, looking at the Rebbe's picture and saying, leave me alone. I can't anymore. can't take this anymore. And so, this episode ended as far as our friend observing this had it. A while later, our friend, who's an editor of a big newspaper in Israel, a Jewish newspaper, not a big magazine, actually, Kvachabad. Anyway, he uh, he happens to be speaking to one of the ministers in Israel. And he tells the minister this story. minister says I'll continue your story what? yeah, it's years later he says I was in California and I happened to be in a Chabad house for Shabbos and they had a beautiful meal and everything, the ambience was beautiful, everything was great and suddenly these shabby-looking, homeless-looking fellows walked in, refused to put on yarmulkes. They were boisterous. And they sat down, they started just pounding the food. No bracha, anything. I turned to the shliach, the one running the Chabad house, and I said to him, why don't you throw them out? Why don't you insist that they keep proper protocol? You know what he told me? He told me how he was once in their place. And he told me how he got back from India because the Rebbe's dollar. He now is the Shliach in the Chabad house in California. So, he at least got to see the PS of the story. This Shabbos is Yud Ches. I thought so much that I wanted to talk about, especially Akedis, Yitzchak, etc. Late, how late was saved, why late was saved. This Shabbos is Yud Ches Mar Cheshven. Yud Ches, every Jew could tell you, is Chai. Yud Zayin is Toiv, Gematria Toiv. 17 is Gematria Toiv. But 18, everybody knows, every Jew knows Chai. Donations are made in nominations of Chai. Um, you know, I don't like to ever hear less than a hundred times chai, but uh-huh. you have those that have that problem, and they can only give one chai. And chai represents life. Now we're talking about a month now, Marchejun. Marchejun is a month that comes following Tishrei. Tishrei, a month full of Yomim Tevim, full of holidays. And following this comes a month void, with nothing in it. So the month that comes, nothing in it, this day, Chai, the 18th day of the month, gives life to this month. It is the life of the month. And although it's a month that visibly does not represent anything to us, it has the life, the vitality of this month in this day and therefore on this day on the 18th day we take the life of this month and we continue into Chof Marcheshun, the Rebbe Marash's birthday where we will merit to go as Yeshiva's Temchitmimim was established for the Chathil Rebbe Rebbe Rashab, I'm sorry Rebbe Rashab's birthday we'll go to the Chathil Rebbe to Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh this Shabbos Shabbat Shalom to all.